0: This is a tale of two Charles Dickens, the novelist you will know as the man who gave us some of the most enduring fiction ever written. But in this series, we uncover the other, less well-known Dickens, the performer who loved acting and dreamed of being a theatre manager. This is the story of his public readings of his books. We will reveal how the theatre informed Dickens' fiction, the link between his writing and performing, and how bringing his characters to the stage made him rich and famous, but ultimately destroyed him. Over 12 years, from 1858 to his death in 1870, Dickens toured the halls and auditoria of Britain and America, reading specially edited versions of his best-loved early works. A Christmas Carol, Pickwick Papers, Dombey and Son and Oliver Twist were favourites. He drew huge crowds wherever he went, and the proceeds made him one of the wealthiest men of his day. The need to make money to support his family was a motivation, but at its heart was also a lifelong love of theatre and acting.
1: For Dickens, I've always felt that books were his wife, as it were, and the theatre was his mistress, and he was always, right up to the last minute, inclined to give up the one for the other.
0: Actor and author of Charles Dickens and the Great Theatre of the World, Simon Callow.
1: Dickens, of course, knew that his vocation was as a writer and that that was, as it were, his legitimate path through life. But the theatre was this constantly seductive, this siren thing which always wanted to take him away. And two days before he died, he said, that's what I should have done, I should have been in the theatre, I should have worked in the theatre. That was his dream.
0: The theatre was Dickens' first love. It was the prism through which he created his characters, casting them as if they were actors on a stage. Dr. Paul Schlicker is the author of Dickens and Popular Entertainment.
2: Dickens had a sense of a character which was fundamentally theatrical. He conceived of his characters appearing on the stage, talking to one another, or soliloquizing as on the stage. There's a wonderful anecdote from uh, his daughter Mamie, who uh, one day when she was a child and feeling ill was allowed to sit in her father's study while he was writing. And uh, she recounts that he uh, would uh, pace the room and then suddenly would race to the the, uh, to a mirror and start shouting at the mirror and waving his arms about and then would sit down and write furiously enacting each of his characters as the way that he composed. So they always talk as if they're on the stage, declaiming.
0: Having auditioned his characters and performed them into life, Dickens' novels, which were published in monthly or weekly installments, were made to be read aloud. Simon Callow
1: there is this sense in dickens's books that the the writer is performing the work for you you hear his voice and sometimes he addresses you directly from the page as in uh, christmas carol very famously he says of the first ghost he says well he was as close to scrooge as you are to me so the direct connection is very very potent with with dickens and and also not only did dickens read his own novels but so did everybody else read them out loud because as the instalments appeared, the family would then gather round. It was like, you know, the episode of Enders. Everybody gathered round, the reader, probably the dad or whoever was good at it, and uh, listened to the story being read out loud to them. And that oral feeling is so strong in Dickens. And often what looks quite difficult on the page, the moment you read it out loud, suddenly falls into place.
0: Dickens was fascinated by performance and loved to read to his family and friends so it wasn't much of a leap to go from private recitations to reading in public. In December 1853, he finally got the chance to do so. He started his reading career with A Christmas Carol, a reading he did for charity in Birmingham Town Hall, two days after Christmas. Professor Malcolm Andrews is the author of Charles Dickens and His Performing Selves.
3: If you had a good seat, then you would be in full range of Dickens's voice and gestures, and what you would see would be this relatively small set erected on the platform in the hall with a maroon background or back screen, a baton of overhead gas lamps and two gas flares at the side, and then in the middle of that his little reading desk, which he had carefully designed himself. And then he would walk on stage and he would say, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm to have the pleasure of reading to you tonight A Christmas Carol. And he would launch straight in.
4: Once upon a time, of all the good days in the year on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. It was cold, bleak, biting weather, foggy withal and he could hear the people in the court outside go wheezing up and down, beating their hands upon their breasts, and stamping their feet upon the pavement stones to warm them. The fog came pouring in at every chink and keyhole, and was so dense without, that although the court was of the narrowest, the houses opposite were mere phantoms. The door of Scrooge's counting-house was open, that he might keep his eye upon his clerk who in a dismal little cell beyond was copying letters. Scrooge had a very small fire, but the clerk's fire was so very much smaller that it looked like one coal. A Merry Christmas, Uncle! God save you! cried a cheerful voice. It was the voice of Scrooge's nephew, who came upon him so quickly that this was the first intimation he had of his approach. Bah! said Scrooge. Humbug!
3: He had this capacity to move almost all of himself into the character. Professor Malcolm Andrews. So, though he was never in costume, he was always in formal evening clothes. He could change the shape of his body, the tilt of his head, his uh, eyebrows, his expression, everything about him would enter into the character of whoever it might be. And then once he got into his stride, you would very likely just be carried away by this extraordinary sense that you weren't watching one man, you were watching a whole host of people up there on stage and
1: listening to them. One of the most important things about Dickens always is this genius... Of storytelling.
0: Simon Callow again.
1: The characters which he flashes before you with a particular kind of brilliance, an accumulation of detail and a repetition of catchphrases very often. He's dazzling you with the characters, but he's working on something rather deeper inside you, and that's normally the narrator who does that in his books.
0: Lucinda Hawksley is Dickens' great 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 granddaughter and the author of the book Charles Dickens.
5: By this point, 1853, everybody knew the story. Um, Christmas Carol had been published ten years earlier and was an immediate phenomenon... It was published in 1843 on the 19th of December. 6,000 copies had all sold out by Christmas Eve. So this wasn't a new story that people were hearing, but just to hear Dickens read it was incredibly magical. And it was one of those stories that even today still manages to get reactions from people. And what Dickens really wanted to do was to make people aware that there's a bit of a Scrooge in everybody, and what they have to do is beat that Scrooge and, and you know, get to the spirit of Christmas, and preferably in so doing, give money to his favourite charities. Drawing
0: attention to the plight of the nation's poor was a driving factor behind Dickens' writing and public readings.
5: Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol directly as a result of experiencing poverty in Manchester. Um, He came back to London and he said, I'm going to strike a hammer blow in favour of the poor man's child, and he wrote the whole of the novella in just six weeks... A lot of people don't realise he actually wrote five Christmas stories and many, many short stories. But I think A Christmas Carol, the reason that it's the best known and the one that most people know about, even if they haven't heard the others, is because it was written with such passion. So when he did readings from A Christmas Carol, that passion, that fervour with which he'd written the book, to try and raise awareness of the terrible conditions that so many of Britain's children were living in was a really, really important thing for him. And I think that's what came across...
4: Oh, man, look here, look. Look down here, exclaimed the ghost. They were a boy and a girl, yellow, meagre, ragged, scowling, wolfish, but prostrate, too, in their humility. Where graceful youth should have filled their features out and touched them with its freshest tints, a stale and shriveled hand, like that of age, had pinched, "'and twisted them, and pulled them into shreds. "'Scrooge started back, appalled. "'Spirit, are they yours?' "'They are man's,' said the spirit, looking down upon them. "'This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. "'Beware them both, and all of their degree. "'But most of all, beware this boy.' For on his brow I see that written which is doom,
0: unless the writing
4: be erased.
0: Dickens knew what it was like to be hard up, and he wanted others to know too. Dennis Walder is Emeritus Professor of English Literature at The Open University.
2: When the family were put into a debtor's prison in the Marshalsea because his father couldn't pay the family debts, the young Dickens was put out to work when he was or well, about 12, in a blacking factory. And Dickens's job was to paste labels onto these little jars of blacking, boot blacking, polished for boots. He felt completely sort of humiliated and taken out of a safe world, a secure world uh, within his family circle. And although it was only for some months, as far as we know, for less than a year... That experience seems to have marked him so so severely that, for example, he never spoke about it, never wrote about it, except indirectly in David Copperfield.
0: Dickens rose himself out of poverty, but never forgot it. And he never lost the common touch. So when friends were concerned that doing public readings was undignified for a gentleman, he did them anyway.
2: If you read John Forster, his great friend, if you read John Forster's biography of Dickens, you'll find that Forster himself was rather opposed to it all along and didn't think it was an appropriate thing for a great novelist to do. It wasn't something a gentleman would do. However, it was Dickens himself, it was part of his urge to help in the great project of educating the masses, if you like, to reach very large numbers of people and particularly people who might not read his novels or might not come across them or might not be able to afford them.
4: ''Hello,'' growled Scrooge in his accustomed voice, as near as he could fade it. ''What do you mean by coming here at this time of day?'' ''I'm very sorry, sir,'' said Bob. ''I am behind my time.'' ''You are,'' repeated Scrooge. ''Yes, I think you are. ''Step this way, if you please.'' It's only once a year, sir, pleaded Bob, appearing from the tank. It shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. Now, I'll tell you what, my friend, said Scrooge. I am not going to stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, he continued leaping from his stool and giving Bob such a dig in the waistcoat that he staggered back into the tank again. And therefore, I am about to raise your salary. Bob trembled and got a little nearer to the ruler. He had a momentary idea of knocking Scrooge down with it, holding him and calling to the people in the court for help and a straight waistcoat. A Merry Christmas, Bob, said Scrooge, with an earnestness that could not be mistaken as he clapped him on the back. A merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year.
0: A Christmas Carol was his most loved and performed reading. In it, Dickens found a way to unite his two passions, writing and performing. And if along the way it helped to foster a sense of fellowship in his audience, all the better. Lucinda Hawksley.
5: There was an amazing story from a factory owner from Chicago who, upon hearing that Dickens wasn't going to come to Chicago, travelled to Boston, and this was around Christmas time. He was a bit of a Scrooge-like factory owner and he wasn't renowned for treating his workers very well. And he listened to Dickens' reading from A Christmas Carol and he had a complete conversion. He went back to Chicago and announced that all his workers would have the 25th of December off every year. This wasn't necessarily commonplace. Um, he also gave every family who worked for him a Christmas turkey.
0: Those first readings of The Christmas Carol were an overwhelming experience for Dickens and his audience, and he sensed their potential. For Dickens wanted not just to entertain the world, but to change it.
4: The Open University For more information, go to www.open.edu forward